The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. As we continue to explore patience, for people who practice mindfulness, a key part of patience is self-understanding to understand how we react, how we respond, to know ourselves better and better. We know the impulses, the feelings, the emotions. We know the thoughts and the beliefs that underlie being impatient. So we got our practice with patience after all, with the sound out there. And um, it would have been nice if they obliged us in the morning, when, but we get, take it when we get it. So hopefully that was the theme of the day, supported you through this. One of the important areas of patience has to do with patience with other people. And uh, occasionally you come across people who are not behaving just exactly like you want them to behave. And so being patient with them is sometimes the right approach to meet them. And sometimes it's easier to be patient if we understand, if we understand them, what's going on with them. So for example, someone may You know, they might, might say something mean to you and you react and think that this is unfair, it's wrong, they're evil, they need to 
ask for forgiveness, they need to make amends, they need to apologize, you know, and it's kind of worked up. But then you find out that, um, you know, how stressed they are there. One of their parents just died the day before, but they still have to go to work, and, and, uh, and but their work is falling apart, and they had to lay off some people that they cared for a lot, and, and on top of that, they have a toothache, something, and you thought, wow, now I understand, you don't have much patience, you don't have much resources, you're kind of like pretty stressed out. So I don't think I have to, I, I don't have to take your, the way that you snapped at me, I'm not gonna take it so personally. So I've known people who've warned me. They said, you know, I am, you should just know, today I'm really in, you know, in a difficult state of mind. So just, you know, you know so if I say something, pl- you know, please don't take it personally because I just, I'm struggling here and trying to keep it together. And, and oh, okay, and so sure enough, they say something which was kind of, you know, and they were annoyed or something. And, but I've been forewarned that they're having a hard time. They're in some kind of a diff- different state than usual. Or more dramatically is a story that happens regularly in, in hospice care, that someone who's been a loving family member for decades, uh, in the last days of hospice care and they're dying, some people, uh, their biochemistry changes perhaps, and neurology changes or something, and um, People, it's a very, very it's a, it can be, it can be a common phenomena that as people are getting close to dying, that they start um, being angry at the people around them, or they start criticizing them, or, or you know, accuse them for all kinds of things that they never would have done earlier in their life. And it's a fairly common for hospice nurses to tell the family to expect this, and then when it happens, they there it is. And so, what families who learn about this find out not to take it personally. This is not the person they usually knew. This is something, uh, you know, brain chemistry is operating now. And so you don't have to, so then the people are not going to feel so hurt so deeply. Oh no, you know, my uncle just told me that I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> and so, you know, how could he, you know, and you can, be dis- you can be upset for the rest of your life because that's the last words he said to you. But because a hospice nurse said, this is what they do, say, oh, it's brain chemistry. It's not really the uncle I knew. And so we don't take it so personally. So, so there's a way of kind of, if we understand the situation, then the other person, sometimes we can be much more patient. We're not caught up in it, not reactive to it. And I think a general kind of good guideline is that um, we usually don't understand people very well that there's a lot under the surface that we don't know what's going on and making them tick, making them operate. And if we began to understand more of what was going on, uh, we'd probably be patient with a lot more people. The other is uh, if we understand their suffering. And so part of uh, what uh, can uh, help uh, bring on patients is we have compassion for them. We care for them. Oh, they're really struggling, they're suffering, and, and uh, you know, they're doing you know, I've, I've known people who, uh, you know, initially I was annoyed because um, they were taking forever to figure something out, to do something. You know, come on, how can you be so dense, you know? <laughs> something like that, right? And then I found out that, that they were suffering about something in a big way. And it was very, and for whatever reason, the task they were doing was really difficult for them. And once I understood how difficult it was and the suffering they were having, my heart just broke, you know? Oh. 
you know, why was I holding them to some standards, you know, that wasn't appropriate for them in this circumstance? And, and my care and my compassion for them, uh, feeling their suffering, was enough, okay, whatever long it takes you, it's fine. I'll just kind of go along and make space because I care about your suffering, I don't want to add to it. So there's a variety of ways in which compassion uh, it can make a difference. But there are some times where we feel hurt, we feel angry or resentful, that, um, that um, compassion is not the name of the game, uh, understanding of their circumstances is not the name of the game. And, um, and perhaps what's needed now is a higher order of generosity, the kind of feeling that, yes, I'd like, you know, and so the, the two movements in Buddhism that are kind of like the foundation of social relationships are loving kindness and generosity. So what is a generous thing to do here? And what's the kind thing to do here? What's the, what's the thing, to, how do I come from goodwill? And these two movements, um, to uh, let go of ill will and replace it with goodwill. So if we have ill will towards someone, the very strong uh, ethic in Buddhism is to try to figure out how to, how to avoid, put aside, restrain, let go of our ill will, our hostility, sense of hostility we have for them. Because if we don't, it, it's poison for us. It's not good for us to have it. And it's certainly not good for them. And so to learn how to either put aside or not give in to our anger or resentment, or how to let, put it down, is an important part of social harmony. The other Buddhist one is uh, to come from loving kindness, to come from goodwill. So let, put down ill will and, and pick up goodwill, and have a genuine feeling of gen, uh, kind of a gen, generous spirit of goodwill for that person. May you be well and be friendly towards a person, be kind to the person. And that's not always easy to do. And uh, so you, you all know that in Buddhism there's a whole training in developing loving kindness and developing goodwill. And part of that training is learning about um, all the resistance, all the uh, uh, re resistance we have, or the good arguments we have why we shouldn't do it, why it's hard for us, and to kind of really work through that. And so we really kind of maybe find out that maybe it's not true. We're, we don't have to resist. We don't have to hold ourselves closed. We don't have to hold on to our ill will. It's okay. It's safe to open our hearts to people and have goodwill. And uh, as a training in Buddhism, it, it can take months and years to go through and really explore all the beliefs and all the resistance, all the hindrances we have to having an open heart to people and having goodwill. But part of Buddhist training is to spend that time doing that, looking at that, finding it out. So these two things, letting go of ill will and picking up goodwill. I like to think of it as, um, as generosity and loving kind. Well, the goodwill is generosity and loving kindness. So these things um, are, are very important kind of Buddhist practices. And you go to Buddhist Asia, people are practicing all the time. They're restraining themselves from ill will and they're looking to see how they can practice goodwill in the situation, metta. In, um, so there's two, two things, these two things. Here in the West, there's a very strong tendency for those two practices, 
avoiding ill will and engaging in goodwill, to be placed under the category of forgiveness. And I love it that forgiveness has the word giveness in it, giving. I like that, to me, it makes me think it's meant to be an act of generosity, not an obligation. But it comes from this, you know, generosity. The word forgiveness in the West, the way I built up in this way, has a very strong um, association historically down through the centuries with Judeo-Christian religions. And part of, so it can have a really heavy sense to it, very strong associations to it. And, um, you know, it's often, it's, it's, and it's very consequential in Western theology that, uh, that God forgive us. Because if he doesn't, it's not a pretty picture what happens next. And so it's, you know, the whole thing is, it carries a lot of weight, carries a lot of religious authority, maybe a sense of obligation, and you're supposed to forgive your enemies and all. So, it, so it's, it can be kind of a heavy baggage for Westerners when we talk about forgiveness. But still, Western Dharma teachers will use the word and will do forgiveness meditation. But um, in the Buddhist sense, what we're talking about is putting aside ill will and engaging in goodwill. And that saves us from a lot of the challenges around what forgiveness is. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm approving of what they did and um, condoning what they've done. doesn't mean that they get off scot-free and there's no consequences of what they've done. doesn't mean that, you know, you know, that people have, you know, people have some, some people have trouble with the idea of forgiveness. And, but, um, but if we kind of reframe what, how we use the word forgiveness, just to more core Buddhist values, then how I understand it, it means putting away ill will and picking up goodwill. So letting go of resentment, letting go of anger and hostility. And then, but it's not enough just to let go of those, but the idea is to open a heart and have goodwill to that person. Forgiveness doesn't really happen unless we, you know, forgiveness is not just kind of like a, okay, uh, you know, Okay, your pardon. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. You know, <laughs> we don't have to deal with it anymore. Um, I don't. You know, that maybe it's better than the alternative, but but that wouldn't be the full forgiveness because in Buddhism the idea is to f- come to the place to find the place of goodwill, of metta, loving kindness. There's no sense of obligation in Buddhism that we have to do this. Buddhism is not an obligatory religion. Doesn't put obligation on us. However, so it's more like it's an opportunity. And if we understand the cost of ill will and staying closed and having resent, being resentful, um, and if we understand uh, how wonderful it is to come from goodwill, then I, it's something that we voluntarily want to do rather than something we have to do under obligation. So I, mean, I, think, I think it's fair to say that for all of Buddhist spirituality is voluntary. And so we used, when Buddhists use the word forgiveness, it's a voluntary thing, so, you know, because we feel like it's a wise thing to do, an appropriate thing to do. So forgiveness, or putting aside ill will and engaging in goodwill, is also a practice. We don't expect people to be skilled at it just because they hear about it, but it's something that we begin to practice and work up to. We begin stretching ourselves into it. 
And one of the first things that uh, it said that's appropriate to celebrate, to really appreciate, is even if we can't forgive or can't do this movement, is to appreciate that we want to. It makes a difference that we want to. I would suggest that it's a huge difference. It's supposed to, no way, I don't want to do that, versus I want to do that, but I don't know how. Don't feel bad that you don't know how. Feel good that you know that that's what you want to do. You don't want to stay holding on to a grudge. You don't want to stay holding on to this. And then it's a practice. It takes a while to work through it and find your find our way. Um, and the other thing about this whole forgiveness, goodwill, putting aside ill will and all that, that can make it a lot easier is uh, to do for some people is um, no one has to know you're doing it. Because sometimes if we offer forgiveness and people, you know, like, you know, the, you know that jerk doesn't deserve it. <laughs> you know, I don't want him to know because somehow that just complicates situation or I'll be seen as they'll take advantage of me or they'll do it again or something. Um, we don't have to be so explicit about what we're doing. It can be in our hearts. And then how that plays out in action can be something, can be a whole other thing. There are some people who maybe it's wise not to have much to do with again, ever again. It's just too, too difficult. They're difficult people. And, um, but we can still drop our resentment and anger towards them. And our hearts can still wish them well but, you know, I, I, I really want you well. I want goodwill for you. I want you to be well. But just far away from me. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I don't want to be the one who d- brings you goodwill. But at, le- at least my heart's not closed. And it might seem a little bit miserly or something, but, but just, you know, it's possible to open our hearts and have friendly feelings for someone. And not, you don't have, doesn't mean you have to act on it. Or they, they know it. And that can make it easier to to take that step. Does that make sense? It can be just, you know, in your privacy of your own heart. And, um, and then later, with whatever wisdom you have, you can decide whether or not you want to do it publicly or do it with the person if it seems appropriate at the time. So patience. Patience from understanding. Patience from understanding ourselves well. Patients from understanding how we operate with resentment and anger and closing down, shutting people off. And then patients from having the intention to not live in that reactivity, but to find a way to let go of it and move into something more positive. And one of the ways that people will do this is through forgiveness practice. And we could drop the word forgiveness in Buddhist English but it's still a very powerful word. And so rather than not using it in Buddhism in, here in America, I think that to try to explain how it's understood in a Buddhist context and keep the word, add some of the depth to it or the value to it or the richness to it or the, you know, that uh, this, so, this social kind of emotion, social uh, attitude that we have. So, um, that's my introduction. And I think the whole topic of forgiveness is a very uh, tender topic. And um, 
Some people have done a lot of it, some people have thought of it, some people haven't done much. But, you know, it touches areas of where we've often been hurt, it's been very difficult for us interpersonally. So it's a tender, tender topic. So what I'd like to ask you to do for a few minutes is, um, is have a tender conversation about it in, in this way. Um, a little bit like we did this morning, and that is, um, what is what in what intention, what wishes do you have in regard to forgiveness, being forgiving? What is your aspiration around the world of forgiveness? And how how what, what's what are the best ways you know to find that forgiveness? to find that forgiveness, to be able to do that. So you don't have to talk about it all the ways you don't know how to do it and how you can't do it. But what's the best ways you know how to do it? And, and what, you know, what is your aspiration? How, how strong is it? You know, how does it work for you? Is it, does it value for you? And, and, uh, and just share kind of personally what that's like for you. You don't have to talk about difficult relationships, hurts you have. You don't have to talk about how difficult it is to forgive. This is a little bit more on a positive side in the sense of what is your aspiration? What's your connection to the idea of forgiveness and the value of it? Do you see value for it for yourself? And maybe only by hearing what I said earlier do you start seeing something more valuable in it in the, the way I presented it. And then uh, uh, what are the ways you know how to do that? What are the best ways you know how to be forgiving and of someone else? Does that make enough sense? So what I had in mind was you'd, you'd actually just form pairs of people. And, um, and, uh, and uh, have a conversation back and forth. Um, I would like to do the same thing we did this morning where each person talks for about five minutes, but this time it doesn't have to be a monologue. One person talks about how they feel about it, and the other person is a witness and listens but they can um, ask questions, they can participate a little bit. But the bulk of the talking should be the person who's, that has the five minutes. I'll ring a bell at some point, and then, uh, like we did this morning, we'll switch, and you can switch roles. But the witness doesn't have to be completely silent this time, but mostly. Make sense? So if you could pair up with someone, and we'll see if there's not... Uh, and even number, why don't you come towards the front if you don't find the group? <laughs> 